0: everyone here Um, welcome to the vineyard and as Laura already said the first day of spring how many is spring their favorite season spring is my favorite season in spite of the uh, (coughs) allergies that it brings I love spring um, not just because it starts getting starts to get warmer, but it's a season where everything that's been dormant all winter just comes to life again, and the creativity of God is just put on display as things begin to blossom and things begin to bloom. I love when I sit in my office, even before spring, and look out, and the trees in the distance, uh, I can I can start to see, I can tell that the buds are forming. It means everything is coming back to life again. And I just, I just love that. So it's my, my favorite season. I love, I, there's things I love about every season, but I think spring is definitely my all-time favorite. We're um, in week three of our series, Pause, Reflect, and Respond. It's in this season of Lent that we're in, and we, what we're, we're doing is we're examining our lives and preparing for Easter, we're preparing our hearts, and then responding to the things that the Lord shows us. And so far, we've talked about like the disciplines of prayer and the discipline of fasting. Um, today, in week three, we're going to talk about worship. We're going to talk about worship In Jesus' conversation with the Samaritan woman, very well-known conversation, the woman brought up the question of, well, you say we should worship there and we say we should worship here, brought up the question of, of where is the place to worship. And Jesus responded with this, woman, believe me, the time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know, we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in Spirit and in truth. In other words, it's not a question of where, it's a question of how. God is looking for people who will worship Him. He is looking for worshipers, people who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. He wants us to worship Him with all sincerity, nothing held back, from the deepest place within us. That's how He wants us to worship to worship him for who he is, as well as for what he's done. So let's talk about worship this morning. And the thing that I want us to work to realize this morning is that worship is the atmosphere of heaven. It is the atmosphere of heaven. You know, some people, uh, uh, you know, they may, they, they, they don't now, maybe they don't like worship or because of this or because of that. Maybe they're looking at style or all these exterior things. But the thing about worship is it is the atmosphere of heaven. So I want to, this morning, pull back the curtain and look into heaven this morning. In Isaiah 6, Isaiah shares a vision that he had of God's throne in heaven. Now, it's not on your outline, but... Um, We're not there yet, but it's not on your outline uh, because I want you to just try and picture this as I read it. You know, if, if it helps to close your eyes, then close your eyes. If it helps to keep them open, keep them open. But I want you to try to picture this as I worship from Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, And the train of his robe filled the temple. So, figure the his robe with a long train. Just I I I picture it circling around the throne, just in greater and greater circles, you know, just filling the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they called out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. That's quite a scene, quite a glimpse of what we see uh, or glimpse that we are given into God's throne room, quite a quite a scene. And just uh, as a way of like trivia about this, this is the only place in Scripture where the seraphim are mentioned. It's the only place in Scripture where seraphim are mentioned. These these they were these angelic creatures with six wings, two covering their face, two their feet, and with two they're flying. So try to picture that one, you know. And and Uh, uh, They have two tasks. One, they're positioned as um, uh, guardians around God's throne or above God's throne. They're positioned there as guardians above his throne. And then the second thing is they lead in divine worship. They call out to one another continually, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. They're proclaiming the holiness of God over and over and over. Now, the, the reason behind the word holy being proclaimed three times might be a reference to the triune nature of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We're not told that anywhere, but um, I tend to lead toward that toward that, uh, uh, belief that it's a, a reference to the triune nature of God and his holiness. Now I want to look at another picture above, or a picture of the throne room. Once again, it's not in, in the outline, but it's, um, I want you to try to picture this because it's quite a picture. It adds to the other one. It's in Revelation chapter four. You know, if you ever, hesitate to read the book of if you're hesitant to read the book of revelation because there's a lot in there that you wouldn't understand i'd encourage you to read it anyway because there's a whole lot in there if you take a look at it will really bless you and just really there's some amazing things in there (coughs) and uh, uh the apostle john is is called up in the spirit to heaven and he gives us even more detail than of god's throne room so listen to this and just just picture this At once I was in the Spirit. This is John talking here. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled his throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders, They were dressed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits, or some translations uh, refer to this as the sevenfold spirit, uh, or the seven spirits of, uh, of God. Also in front of the throne there was what looked like a sea of glass clear as crystal. And now listen, in the center around the throne were four living creatures. So we have other other living creatures, other angelic type beings. Four living creatures and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second like an ox the third had a face like the like a man and the fourth was like a flying eagle now if you do a study of these four they they line up with the uh and and symbolize the four gospels matthew mark luke and john each one with different characteristics And, and so it says each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around Even under its wings, day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. It's like we were singing this morning, who was and is and is to come, referring to the eternal nature of God. Then it says, whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power For you created all things and by your will they they were created and have their being. These two passages and so many others like them show us that worship is the atmosphere of heaven. It fills heaven. So here on earth, we have the opportunity to begin to step into the atmosphere of heaven. You know, we need to understand that there's more to this world than just what we can feel, touch, and see. There is a spiritual spiritual realm all around us with spiritual creatures around us that is more real than the physical realm that we can see and touch. We just can't see it, but it's real. Some people do get glimpses of it from time to time. A number of you have told me how that at, at, at various times, there's been times when you've actually seen angels in a service or in a prayer meeting or elsewhere, and you've had a glimpse, just a glimpse, into the spiritual realm. And there are those who, who like Micah Turnbow, who's coming for our prophetic seminar, regularly sees into the spiritual realm. That sounds strange to most of us because we're so used to just, you know, the reality of the physical and that's it. And that's how we've been trained, especially in our Western culture. But the reality is there's a whole lot more going on around us. There's a whole lot more going on in this room than any of us can see or any of us realize. I mean, just read the Bible sometime and note every time there is an encounter with an angel or some other type of supernatural being, and you'd be surprised at how much you're marking up your Bible. The whole spiritual realm did not just go away. We need to realize this. It, it, you know, it, it talks about it so much all throughout Scripture, but it did not just go away when the, after the Bible was written. But we in the Western world have been conditioned to only see the physical realm. But as we talk about worship, we're talking about something that reaches well beyond the physical realm of the earth on which we're li- in which we're living. So we're talking about stepping into, stepping into the atmosphere of heaven. So let's talk about it. Dallas Willard, known for his writings on, on spiritual formation, says this about worship. Worship is to engage ourselves with, dwell upon and express the greatness, beauty and goodness of God through, through thought and the use of words, rituals, and symbols. Worship is to engage ourselves with, dwell upon, and express the greatness, beauty, and goodness of God through thought and the use of words, rituals, and symbols. So we're talking, for one thing, about the greatness of God. And one of the things that we do in worship is that we recall God's deeds of greatness, His marvelous deeds of power. We bring them back to our memory. We recall them and and repeat them and proclaim them. Psalm 77, the psalmist wrote, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the people's With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. When we worship God, we remember and proclaim God's great deeds. We remind ourselves and others of what he has done in the past when we do that something happens when we remind ourselves of the things the mighty things that god has done in the past our faith is strengthened and our hearts are encouraged and as we remember what he's done in the past anticipation starts to grow for what he's about to do in the present and will do in the future that's why over and over and over and over in scripture we are told to remember his deeds and to teach them to our children we're told, remember these things, recall these things. Over and over they built memorials. You know, when they crossed the Red Sea, you know, when they, when they crossed over the, the Jordan into the land, the promised land, they built memorials to, to so that they would remember as a testimony. <laughs> I've got an app on my phone that brings up things I've posted on social media uh, on, on the annual anniversary of that posting, TimeHop. Any, anybody else have Time TimeHop app, familiar with it? Um, I've got that, and, and it, it, you know, like I say, you know, I check it every day, and it brings up things that I posted about, you know, a year before, or two years or three years, whatever. <coughs> Monday one came up. Monday was the ninth anniversary of the doctors at Riley Hospital telling us that the mass which had been found on Lily's lung on June 11th was completely gone. Nine years ago this past Monday, we went to Riley Hospital. We looked at the, uh, at the x-rays or CAT scan, whatever it was. We looked at it, and they said, we don't even see a trace of this mass. Praise the Lord is right, because that is something they said would never happen. The doctors had told, had told us that, that, you know, even if this goes away, you will always be able to see a trace. Every time she has an x-ray, every time she has a test done, you will see a trace of where this was. There will be, you will be able to see where it was. And they said, it is completely gone. They held the two things side by side, and they said, we can't even tell where it was. Every time I think of that, my heart is filled with thanksgiving. And I just well up in praise and, 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 and worship as I recall what God has done. I recall His mighty deeds. Some people like to keep a journal. I try. I do it for a few days. And it just it's hard for me to write. And as hard as it is for me to write, it's even harder for me to go back and read try to read what I wrote earlier. Thanks, Dad. get that from my dad. But, um, you know, whatever works for you, but find a way to recall and to remember the things that God has done. Second thing we do in worship is we proclaim God's attributes. So many of His attributes, all the things that God has done, we proclaim them, we proclaim who He is. For example, we proclaim his holiness. Revelation 4, 8, we just read how the seraphim are around the throne continually singing day and night. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. That is going non stop in heaven, even as we sit here today. God's holiness is being proclaimed in heaven. And, you know, the holiness of God, it's been a frequent theme through so many of our worship songs throughout the history of this church, throughout the history of of the uh, Vineyard Movement, throughout the history of the church in general, The declaring, you know, God, you are holy and there's no one like you. You are holy, God. One of my favorite songs is Holy and Anointed One. I love that song, Holy and Anointed One. Another attribute that we we worship uh, God for is His justice and His righteousness. Justice and righteousness are so closely intertwined, you really can't separate the two. So closely intertwined in God's character, they, 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 they can't be separated. Psalm 45, 6 says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice is the scepter of your kingdom. In other words, he rules with justice. You ever been tempted to say, God, this isn't fair. You ever been tempted to say that? It's just not fair, God. I mean, I didn't think so. Not you. I, of course not. <laughs> you know, you know, it's we're like, we're like, you know, you ever have kids say that? Of course, my kids, one that is here has never said that, I'm sure. But the other two did. Let's, let's put it on them. It's not fair. It's not fair, you know. God is a God of justice. We don't have to, have to worry about him. Hey, God, you're missing it on this one. This isn't fair. This isn't just. We don't have to worry about that. A scepter of justice is a scepter of his kingdom. It says here in Psalm 45, 6, it says the same thing in Hebrews 1, 8. As, it's, as it's quoted, this psalm is quoted in Hebrews 1, 8, I think God wants to tell us something. It's it's, it's a frequent theme throughout all of Scripture. Then another attribute we sing about as we worship is God's goodness. His goodness. We sing songs like Good to Me, or The Goodness of God, or Good, Good Father, or King of My Heart that talks about His goodness, all proclaiming that no matter what situation is going on in our lives, no matter what difficulty we're in, no matter what, what hardship we're facing, It doesn't change the fact that God is a good God and God loves it when we declare to him in the midst of a trying time, in the midst of when we don't understand everything, when we pause and declare to him, God, you are a good God. I don't care what my circumstances say. It doesn't matter what others say. You are a good God. I know that that's who you are and you cannot change. It's a good God. Psalm 107 says, oh that, man would, would, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men, for he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry, the hungry soul with goodness. He is a good God. In spite of what you, you hear whispered in your ear, in spite of you know, what things may seem, God is a good God. He always has been. He always will be. We declare the goodness of God in our worship because sometimes when life happens to us, we tend to forget that. And we remind ourselves and we proclaim it to God in faith, knowing that it's true. Sometimes the enemy comes in and tries to get us to look at the bad that's happening. But when we proclaim the truth of the goodness of God, even in the midst of our struggles, we are strengthened and God is glorified. <clears throat> in worship we also proclaim that God is faithful. faithfulness Psalm 86:15 but you Lord are a compassionate and gracious God. other things that we pro- can proclaim in worship that you know, aren't on this list. There's so many things that I'm just picking out some of them. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. God's faithful. God doesn't change. He cannot be anything less than faithful. And when we declare, when we worship God declaring his faithfulness, faithfulness his goodness his holiness when we worship God declaring the attributes of God we step into the atmosphere of heaven we step into what is already taking place and is currently taking place in heaven we step into that atmosphere One of the most powerful encounters I've ever had in the presence of God was in summer of 87. I believe it was July of, hold on, no, it wasn't 87, it was 86. July of 86, I believe it was. We were living in Fort Wayne, and at the time, we were in the process of discerning whether or not God wanted us to move back to Bloomington where we had moved away from seven years when I graduated, moved to Fort Wayne and we're in the process of deciding whether or not God wanted us to move back to Bloomington to work with this church. And we were invited to come down to a leadership meeting which was held at the old Duncan Church in Brown County. How many know are familiar with the old Duncan Church in Brown County? I know Brenda is. Yeah, you've been there? Yeah, okay. Um, nothing fancy about that church. Nothing fancy about that building. Just four cinder block walls, basically, and some old pews. In fact, most of the pews were stacked up in the back, but there were several out front. Oh, and a couple of outhouses out back. Yeah, that's a church where you learn to hold it. <laughs> I had a pastor one time, and I'm going to digress. I had a pastor who uh, was actually uh, Steve Solms, that uh, under whose ministry I came to know the Lord. I love Steve. Um, He was preaching one time down our church down Bedford, and uh, middle of the message, he just stops and says, "I'll be right back." (laughs) Goes back to the bathroom. Comes back a minute later, and then he came up and says, Figure everybody else can do it, why not me? <laughs> and then, not to be outdone, John Wimber, one time when he was dealing with his, his cancer and that, and he was preaching at one of our conferences, stopped in the middle of one of his messages. I'll be right back, I got to pee came in. (laughs) Hey, we're just being real, right? Um, Anyway, where was I? Oh, the Duncan Church with the outhouses. Yeah. Anyway, we had a leadership meeting there and the meeting started with worship. And when I mean worship, we probably did an hour of worship, an hour of worship songs. And out of that time, I remember one point where we sang the song, Holy is the Lord. I don't know if I'd ever heard the song before or not because I was just stepping into a whole other realm of worship music. Songs of intimacy with Jesus. Songs of intimacy with the Lord. Songs, you know, not just the cheerleading songs, but the songs sung to God. But we sang that song. For a good 20 minutes. And it's not a long song. I want to read the words to you. I'm not going to sing it. I'll have mercy on you. And I'm leaving out some of the echo because, you know, everything is echoed in the song. But these are the words Holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord, righteousness and mercy, judgment and grace, faithfulness and sovereignty. Holy is the Lord, holy is the Lord. How many know the song? Some of you have been around for a while. We must have sung that that song for over 20 minutes. And what we're doing is just declaring the attributes of God to him. God, you are holy. Righteousness. um, uh, Justice. All the different attributes, not all the different attributes, but a number of them. I think there's no less than seven attributes of God proclaimed over and over. You know, righteousness and mercy. Judgment and grace, faithfulness and sovereignty. Lord, you are holy. For like 20 minutes, I was so lost in worship, I felt like I had stepped right into the throne room of God. It wasn't because of the skill of the worship team. It wasn't anything other than that the presence of God fell on that place as we worshipped him. To this day when I sing that song, I get a real sense of the presence of God. Another song that, that does that to me, there are certain songs that do that to me, but another one where I've been in service, I remember in harmony school this happened. I was in service, we were singing open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. And we're singing that song. I don't know how long, probably the normal length that we did. I don't know. But I'm sitting in the chair in the front row of that gym in Harmony School and we're just worshiping and I'm singing that. The song ended. Slowly I started to realize that I wasn't standing before the throne. I mean, in my spirit, yes. But I was in service and I had responsibilities. That was the last song, and I needed to go up and do something. And I wasn't sure what I needed to do. And I think it was the offering. I had to like switch gears because I thought, okay, I'm supposed to go up and do something. What do I? It's just that I was so caught up in worship. That's the kind of worship that God wants us to have. And really, it, it, it doesn't depend on the music. It doesn't depend on style. It depends on our heart connecting with God at such a level. We're worshiping in spirit and in truth. And that happens when we engage God in worship. When we actively engage Him in worship. And, and, you know, in worship, there are a number of ways we can engage God. number of ways. One thing is singing. I mean, that's the obvious one. You know, that's what what we think of. Songs declaring His his attributes, songs sung directly to Him. Uh, you know, and, 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 uh, not, that's a big part of it. Not just singing words, but, but declaring his attributes, singing to him, lifting up our hearts and singing out to the Lord. That's, that's a part of it. we engage God. Ephesians 519 says, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Another way we engage God is by raising hands or clapping our hands. But actively, our, our physical body getting in touch, you know, and, 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 you know, I love to raise my hands in worship. Psalm 134.2 says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Lifting our hands can be an expression of surrender. It can be an expression of celebration. So many things. So we raise our hands in worship. We also engage God in worship through our posture our posture already mentioned raising our hands but also you know we can we can uh, bow our heads we stand we kneel we can lay prostrate here's what we need to see about our posture our physical posture reflects the posture of the heart if we're singing with uplifted hands we're communicating to God i'm open I'm yours. Surrendering ourselves to God and surrendering ourselves to His goodness. But if we're standing there with our arms folded, as I used to do when I started going to the church in Bedford, where I ended up giving my life to the Lord, standing there with arms folded. It signifies that we're closed off. And here's the thing. In the same worship service, you can have one person totally engaging with God and and, and worshiping and stepping uh, stepping into the atmosphere of heaven and another person just totally oblivious to it. Our physical posture signifies often our spiritual posture, the posture of our heart. Another way we engage worship is through the use of banners or flags. (laughs) How many have ever seen that in a worship service? Banners and flags. Okay, a number of you have. You know, sometimes in the Old Testament, the word standard is used. When they raised a standard, it meant they raised a flag. It was a sign of identification and a sign of victory. It was a proclamation. You know, when I was a Boy Scout, each patrol in our troop, each patrol had its own flag to identify it as that patrol. And, you know, we designed the flag around, our, around our, uh, the name that we chose for ourselves. So we designed a flag and, and, and put on it the Arabian Nights. You know, um, nobody knew what an Arabian Knight was. We just thought it sounded cool, so that's what we chose. Here, somebody came up with it, and, and you know, we just thought it sounded cool. But, but um, it identified us as belonging to that patrol, okay? Often a flag is raised to identify, and often a flag is raised as a celebration of victory, like victory in a battle. Think of when the Marines raised the American flag on Iwo Jima, Think of of that picture, raising a flag in victory. In Exodus 15, the Israelites were victorious over the Amalekites. And verse 15 says, Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. And then Song of Solomon 2.4 says, his banner over me is love. I've been in churches and conferences where banners were used as a way to engage God in worship. In fact, there was a time when we were meeting in Harmony School where several of our people used used banners. They'd be in the back and they'd wave banners or flags just as an expression of worship. One more way to engage worship is through art again, my first exposure to this was at a national conference. And then I saw, I've seen it elsewhere in other, in other churches as I'd visit. There, there would be like, um, so, you know, worship would be going on and over on one side or maybe both sides there'd be an easel set up. And while worship, when worship started, somebody, uh, usually somebody was prearranged, but somebody you know, with that gift would, would come up and just start painting on the easel, and just start doing a, a work of art, and, and it's, it's amazing to see that. I mean, you, they, they start painting as they feel the Lord is directing them, and I've seen some beautiful prophetic paintings come out of those times. You see, God is a creative God. And just look at the beauty of His creation. Look at the descriptions of the throne room in heaven, the, when, when His presence rests on us, creativity is stirred up in His people. We engage God in worship through using the creative gifts He gives. One more thing about worship, and I'm just going to mention it, and that is in worship. We gather together in worship, and when we do, we join with all of creation for all of creation worships psalm 66:4 all the earth bows down to you they sing praise to you they sing praises of your name psalm 19:1 the heavens declare the glory of god the skies proclaim the work of his hands all creation worships god When we worship, we step into the atmosphere of heaven. To the degree that we are worshiping in spirit and in truth, it's to the degree, the same degree that we are able to step into and realize the atmosphere of heaven, which is filled with the presence of God. God wants that we remember the mighty deeds that He's done for us. He wants us to come together to worship Him, declaring His attributes and engaging in His presence through whatever means His Spirit stirs our heart. I'm thankful that we have our video on our community Facebook group. I'm thankful that during the the pandemic, when we couldn't meet in person, that we were able to uh, uh, scramble and figure out how to do this online. I'm thankful for that. But I'm so thankful that now we can come together because there is something that happens when his church comes together to worship him that doesn't take place. There's a dynamic that is missed if we just watch a service at home. I'm grateful for those that, 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 you know, it's provided for those that for whatever reason can't come. But I thank God that we can come together and worship together. Worship His attributes, engage in His presence, However, the Spirit stirs our heart. Let's stand.